It's time for another episode of The True Podcast. An unfiltered podcast that is about life lessons and issues that impact our daily lives. Here is your host, Ryan Dement. Hey guys, Ryan Dement. Hope you're doing well. We're at it again this week. A little different uh, this week. We're going to do some real estate like always, personal finance, and then in the end, a little bit of a diatribe and a off the topic about some stuff that's going on in our world, whether it be business or uh, personal stuff. So let's get to it. House across street, as you guys know, sold four twenty-five. Owner, the prior owner made a hundred thousand. Sold it to an owner out of Colorado. That owner, I don't think, ever had any intentions to moving in. Made it a rental and put it on the market and several weeks later the house has been rented for approximately $2,300 which is about 25 to 26 percent over the going market rate out here Um, and that leads me into my first article my first true headline from insider the price of renting a house is exploding for everyone who can't afford to buy and southern cities are especially becoming more expensive than any other cities so Overall, nationwide, uh, CoreLogic is saying rent went up 6.6% from May 2020 to May 2021. But there are three cities in particular that had the largest jumps. Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm at, 14% increase. Tucson, Arizona, 11.1%. And Las Vegas, Nevada, 107 and they continue to go on the article and I wanted to throw this out there because we've never talked about it and I'm going to quote it it says Wall Street has gotten into the game as well with institutional investors buying a record high 77 billion dollars in homes over the last six months that's led to even more competition in the home buying market as families are now competing with big money for houses the pressure from the tight market seems to be filtering down to rentals as well so not just because of the pandemic and the supply and demand you also have big wall street money in the game which we all knew 77 billion dollars they're capturing a lot of single family residents and guess what they're paying top dollar for it just like the rest of us and they're passing that along to you when you have to rent because you can't afford a price of a home today because they've been pushed up so high in another article um, I read there is a a big piece coming up when it comes to average medium price of a home in the United States they're saying from June 2020 to June 2021 the average home hit $392,370. That's a lot of money. Almost $400,000 to buy a house. So at $400,000, let's say, let's round it, at 10% down payment, you need $40,000. To avoid PMI, you need $80,000. Now, unless you're coming from one of those states like New York or California where real estate prices are through the roof and you get cash, 
pretty much right out right in your hand to go buy another house cash how do you afford eighty thousand dollars in down payment if the average American family is earning less than sixty thousand dollars a year they can't afford four hundred thousand dollars there's just no way they'll be strapped to that house and if they had any other debt they're going to be in a world of hurt very quickly. This is what I'm talking about, the craziness in this market that people, we as human beings, we are going to do whatever we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to think the way we want to think and the way we go about it. But sometimes I wish we could actually use a little bit more, less emotional intelligence and more of a analytical business intelligence. And what I mean by that, don't be emotionally attached to a purchase because you think that you're going to be missing out. You're actually hurting yourself in the long run because it's going to kill your pocketbook. Unless you have a 26% increase in your annual salary coming, I don't know how, how a person making less than $60,000 a year can afford a $400,000 home. And even at 26%, you're still stretching it. You know, as I'm recording this right now, I'm looking at it. Lumber futures are $535. And I'll give you a little bit of perspective. Um, Pre-pandemic, it was $484.20 at the low end. And this is board foot, a thousand board feet is what that is. So a thousand feet to a house is what that's gonna take. So if you're gonna do 2000 square feet, you would have to get two of these futures to be able to cover that just in lumber. Well, during the pandemic, it got up to $1,711.20. So that's four times, almost five times, or it's four and some four and a quarter times. But now people are seeing it. Oh gosh, there it's down. Why isn't Lowe's and and Home Depot and Menards and anywhere other else you're buying lumber, why isn't it why isn't it come down? Well, I know a lot of people, I mean, uh, I'm just going to say it outright. I know a lot of people don't pay attention to futures and what that looks like. They're called futures because it's in the future. So these prices that you're seeing today are not going to be settled until September 10th, 2021. So we're a little less than 45 days away, give or take. But that doesn't mean you're going to see prices reduce when those settle too, because that'll be a fresh batch of lumber that's coming into stores. You still have Home Depot and Lowe's sitting on a, a crap load of, of lumber inventory. And guess what? The CEO of Home Depot came out and said, I'm not going to reduce my prices on my lumber. I'll just give it away. And when he means give it away, he means donate it to a nonprofit. He's not just going to give it away to whoever. He's deciding that he is going to donate it. He's not going to lower his prices. To me, that's this is me personally, that's greed. You know, you could move more lumber if you lowered the price, but they're they're hurt, they're worried about their margin. Well, guess what? If you get zero cents on the dollar by giving them away, donating them, 
What about if you got 50 cents or 80 cents on the dollar? That's better than zero. Now, they could be doing a tax write-off. I mean, it, it could be helping the bottom line. All those things. I'm not a CPA, nor do I, I pretend to be one. But at the end of the day, that's the type of greed that we have in this system right now. That we want to keep markets artificially inflated. Ding, ding, ding. Does this sound familiar? The last recession, artificially inflated. And then once someone pulled the actual last brick out of the foundation, it all came collapsing down. Not saying that's going to happen. But I can tell you this, mark my words, I can't tell you when it's going to happen, but the market is going to cool off. There will be a correction. Demand and supply will, will finally come to a point to where the supply is going gonna, is gonna to be higher than the demand and then you're going to have standing inventory, which I'm seeing out here in Phoenix already at the higher end, at Toll Brothers, 600,000. They have, they have in the development I'm in, um, and by the way, I don't live in a Toll Brothers. I don't, I live in a basic house, less than $300,000. So there, there isn't anything special about me. Um, but they have six standing inventory right now. Or sorry, four standing inventory right now, all over 600,000. 3,500 square foot homes. I know that's not indicative, but it's starting to show some cracks. And when you start showing some cracks, guess what? Other things start happening. Houses stay on market longer. People are, we're, we're at that top of the FOMO of why do I want to pay this much for a house when I know I can wait this out and if I have to wait it out 18 to 24 months, so be it. And I can keep on renting till then. But the piece that the piece that we don't talk about, and it's like this this black box of of real estate, is when this moratorium for forbearance on mortgages ends. There's going to be there's going to be quite a bit of inventory that potentially can come out of this just because people have unfortunately gotten used to not paying their mortgage for 18 months and they've been spending in other ways and then all of a sudden this is going to come due in September, October and they're not going to know what to do with it and they're not going to be able to put themselves on a workout or, or another forbearance so ultimately there's going to be some problems with foreclosures, which will end up being, you know, in the secondary market for us, buying notes, mortgages, defaulted mortgages, which will then translate to uh, foreclosures, then REOs, and then uh, before that, auctions on, the, on the, the stairs at the courthouse. And if those don't sell, it goes to REOs. Real estate owned. Well, guess what? If you have more inventory on the market than you have demand, what happens? The market softens. And when it softens, prices have to come down. And then we go from a seller's market to a buyer's market. But the funny thing in all this, and and I say funny and I use that loosely, so excuse my terminology, is we are in the affordable housing space less than $150,000 
Some of the houses we sell are under $100,000. That market doesn't get impacted because at the end of the day, we're still selling at that range. We don't fluctuate up to these high points because we have to stay within a pricing range to be able to be considered affordable. And affordable has a lot of different things with AMI, area median income. You know, you got to be within 80%. Um, you have to make sure you're in the debt ratios for the buyer. You know, you, you've got a buyer making $35,000 a year. They can't afford a $200,000 home. That's just ridiculous. They can afford a $100,000 home. That's about it. That that market really is is just kind of a, a steady keeping going along market. It It doesn't fluctuate vastly up or down because we have the constraints of pricing that we have to stay in. Now, does it get impacted when lumber goes through the damn roof? Hell yeah. And we've had to stop building new builds just for the simple fact because the cost of lumber added $15,000 to our new builds, which priced us out of the market to be considered affordable. And we wouldn't be able to put those houses in the ground in the markets we are in today. But as this corrects and we, we come back down, we'll be able to start laying these out very quickly and being able to handle them one by one, two by two, whatever you want to say, and get these back up. But that market correction does help out a lot for us as an affordable housing builder. But it's also going to help other buyers in the market that can't afford a $400,000 home. Maybe they can afford a $200,000 home or $250,000 home. Well, now if you have a market that corrects itself and you get you get housing back in line to where it was before, I mean, it, it could be slightly elevated. I don't know. I'm not a... I'm not an analyst. I, I'm just telling you what I see. I'm boots on the ground and I just, I read and, and I take a look at the data. But at the end of the day, a little bit of a correction would be, be a good thing because then you're going to put more people in a place to be able to buy. And then on the other side, as inventory comes back to the market, you start softening a little bit there. You're going to start seeing a correction in rents. That'll be a little bit of a laggard because you've got people on 12-month rents already. So you're going to have to let those cycle through um, because some of those people are going to come out of their rentals and buy a new home or buy a home. And then that landlord's going to have to look at rents and say, oh, marketplace has changed. So guys, there, there's some definitely some changes coming along in the market. <clears throat> and I hope to give more insight as I, I see it. I experience it. I know what's going on. Um, but at the end of the day, just if you're, if you're making decisions based upon emotional feelings on a financial matter, you are potentially setting yourself up for failure. Do the math, make sure it works for you. And if it doesn't break your budget, then go for it. I'm not saying not to do it, but I'm also saying check yourself and check your math to make sure it's accurate because if you don't you could be in a world of hurt i mean there there there's going to be some downside to this market and people are going to be acting surprised and you shouldn't be surprised there's not a single market out there 
whether it be the real estate market, the stock market, uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, the bond market, they all fluctuate up and down. There's not a single market that continues to go north. So that being said, I want to get into the last piece. And it's kind of my open piece on what's going on in the world, whether you're uh, on a political side, the left or the right, don't care, not my business. Um, the only thing that I want to say on this is we're starting to lose a lot of our ability to communicate one another. I mean, we're, we're stuck in these tranches, whether it be on the left or the right, and we're, we're not hearing, we're, we're hearing each other, but we're not listening to each other. And it's okay to disagree, but you don't have to hate somebody because they don't have the same, you know, thought process or ideology or uh, background. Uh, we're human beings. We we all have different thoughts. We think differently. Um, be open to that. Be be a supporter of open thought process and understand what people are doing. I mean, uh, it's something I've struggled with for a long time. And when I say that is, you know, I used to have challenges with when people, you know, didn't do the same things I would do. Well, guess what? That, that's not my problem. That's theirs. And, and I respect it. But at the same time, if I can't respect them, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be expecting them to respect me. So when that mindset changed for me several years ago, if not longer, of, hey, if people want to make free decisions, as long as it doesn't impact me, I'm good. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to throw something on me or impact me and I don't have a way to, to battle it out, that's a problem. But if you have a different opinion or a different thought on a topic or, or a trend, I want to hear it. That's how I learn. I learn from other people's opinions, thoughts, the way they go about things. That's the best way to learn. And I really enjoy that. And we're losing that. And communication is key for us because we're humans. We were locked down for 18 months because of this nasty thing going on called COVID. And guess what? We lost even more of our communication because we were stuck on computers and our phones and didn't really interact with anybody other than people in our house. Well, guys, it's time to get that back and start working on it and communicate with others and reach your hand out and help others. I mean, it's that's key. There's people hurting. Help them. If you're hurting, I, I, I would help you. But don't don't hate somebody because they have a different opinion than you. Hear them out. Have an honest discussion. But don't just hate them because they don't see the way you see it. Just not cool. All right, that's it for this week. I hope you guys have a great, productive rest of the week, a good weekend. I'll see you guys on the flip side. Stay safe, stay humble, and always remember we're human beings and treat others as you want to be treated. See you guys.